And just uh, not too long ago, I was talking with the registrar at Fried Hardeman, and he said nowadays it's about 30%, 30%, three out of every 10 freshmen that they just give up. Now, I don't know why, maybe they thought from high school to college or university was too big a jump. Maybe they didn't study hard enough, I, we don't know. Maybe um, it wasn't the kind of life they liked, you know. Probably various reasons. But the point we're, we're trying to say is they lack steadfastness. That's a quality not just in school, but it is important for life, and especially for the Christian's life. Steadfastness. So, young people, I'm not just uh, telling you you need to, to study hard. Be ready when you go that far, if you do. Uh, but the more you do study now, the easier and the faster it'll be later on. I mean, you're just laying a good foundation for what's coming. But the quality of character that's needed for the Christian life is steadfastness. And by that we mean perseverance, persistence, endurance, patience. We're going to look at a few scriptures that emphasize this quality, this characteristic. Depends upon your version. Sometimes it'll say patience. I have patience and a footnote, steadfastness. Sometimes it's endurance. But we know that it's talking about the same quality. W.E. Vine defines patience this way. He says, patience is a quality that does not surrender. The circumstances are succumb under trial. It is the opposite of despondency and is associated with hope. Steadfastness has with it hope. William Barclay put it this way. He says, it does not simply sit down, talking about patience, accept and endure. There is always a forward look to it. So when you're steadfast, you're not looking backward, you're looking forward. And as our best example, we find Jesus, as always, our best example. In Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 1, we read, Therefore let us also, seeing that we're compassed about by so great a crowd of witnesses, and we just read in chapter 11, about many brothers and, well, God's people, we'll call them brothers and sisters, in the Old Testament days that by faith served and so these are the witnesses that we have to follow. They're not looking down upon us. We're following them. So we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. Now there's the word and steadfastness, endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is scorning the shame, and hath sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Jesus was steadfast for the joy that was set before him. And we're talking about the forward look in steadfastness. Well, in a brief way, let's notice we're to be steadfast as Christians. 
in living the Christian life. <clears throat> verse Peter 1 and verse 16. Peter quotes the Old Testament. He says, Be ye holy even as I am holy. And the quotation, of course, is from Jehovah God. God is always holy. And God's people are to always be holy. If we're going to call him a holy father, we're to be holy children. So we're to be holy in our Christian living. We're to be holy in fruit bearing, or steadfast in our fruit bearing. Uh, we've been studying Acts 15, uh, John 15. And John 15 and 8 tells us, and hereby shall we glorify the Father, that we bear much fruit, and so shall we be his disciples. So fruit bearing is something that we're to do on and on and on. When the Lord was telling the parable about the, the soil, talked about the four types of soils. Then he expressed in Luke 8 and 15 what the good soil was like. It's like those people who have an honest and good heart, he said. Having heard the word, hold it fast and bring forth fruit with steadfastness. I mean, fruit bearing doesn't just come easily. It's something that you, you keep at. And that's the way the Lord put it. We bring forth fruit with patience or with steadfastness. Worship. The reading tonight from Acts 2, verse 42 said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching, in the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers. Various expressions of worship. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another. To, pro to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the custom of some. There were some who were not steadfast in their worship. Paul said, let's don't follow their example. Let's consider one another. When we come together, we come together primarily to worship God, but that's not the only reason. We come together to provoke in considering one another unto love. And to good works. We stand around and we greet one another. And we should. Because we're trying to encourage one another. To be steadfast in worship. How about bearing hardships? James 1, 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brethren. When you fall into manifold trials or temptations. Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience or steadfastness and let patience or steadfastness have its perfect work that you may be perfect entire lacking in nothing so there is <clears throat> fruit that comes from trials that God allows in our lives and he says that brings about maturity and steadfastness let's notice some scriptures some other scriptures that deal with this subject of steadfastness. We turn over to 2 Peter 1, start with verse 5, <clears throat> where Peter says uh, that we should give all diligence in our faith, supply, or add virtue, and in our virtue, knowledge, and in our knowledge, self-control, and in our self-control, there's the word, patience, or steadfastness. And in patience or steadfastness, <clears throat> brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, 
godliness I got in there, brotherly kindness and love. For if these things are yours, that is, and abound, these virtues and these graces, they make you to be not idle nor unfruitful under the knowledge of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these qualities, these graces and virtues, is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten his, the forgiveness of his former sins. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, that is, add these graces to our lives, you shall never stumble, and thus shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he says give all diligence, that was the beginning point in verse 5 and then in verse 10. It's talking about persevering <coughs> application. And so we have steadfastness as a part of God's graces. Even a part of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. Your version may say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control against which there is no law. And then look in Galatians 6 and verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now you notice in a sort of a negative way he's talking about being steadfast. When he speaks about not fainting, about not being weary in well-doing, that's being steadfast. James 5, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11. There he refers to the Old Testament prophets, to Job. When he says, take, brethren, for an example of suffering and of patience, the prophets who spake in the name of the Lord. Behold, we call them blessed, that endured. Now, notice these words. He's already mentioned patience. Now he's talking about endurance. You've heard of the patience or the endurance of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, how that the Lord is full of pity and merciful. So, <clears throat> there are good examples among the prophets of steadfastness. A couple of more, or anyway, one more. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, Paul said, My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. <clears throat> For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Those three go together. Steadfast, unmovable. If a person's movable, he's not steadfast. And then always abounding <clears throat> in the work of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. James J. Corbett was a heavyweight boxer of a century ago. I think it was about 15, uh, 1892 when he, when he uh, whipped John L. Sullivan to become the, the world heavyweight boxing champion. He was sometimes referred to as Gentleman Jim. And he was asked one time, what is the most important thing that it takes to be a champion? But he asked a good man. I mean, he was a champion. And before I tell you what his answer was, he fought John L. Sullivan. Now, any of you know anything about boxing, remember these two personalities. Corbett, John L. Sullivan. Sullivan was the, the only fight he ever lost was when he lost 
to uh, Corbin. Well, back in his day, they didn't use boxing gloves. They fought bare-fisted. But it was uh, about that time that they, they changed and they started using gloves. And they would fight until not 10 rounds or 12 or 15 rounds that might be set. They fought until a man was knocked out or he just couldn't answer the bell and come out and fight again. <clears throat> John L. Sullivan fought Jack Kilrain 75 rounds. Can you believe that? And finally, Kilrain couldn't come back or he knocked him out, I don't know which. But he won. But they fought 75 rounds. I mean, that takes steadfast. That takes, endure, that takes a lot of strength. Well, with that sort of in mind, how they fought back then, James J. Corbett answered the question, what is the most important thing that it takes to be a champion? The answer he gave was the willingness to fight one more round. That's what it takes. That's how Sullivan beat Jack Kilroy. He was ready to go the 76th round. We've all heard of the Battle of Waterloo, when Napoleon lost not just the battle, but he lost the war to the British. But it's been said that the British soldiers were not any braver than Napoleon's troops, but that they were brave five minutes longer. They just hung in there. They were steadfast. They endured until the other one gave up or ran off or retreated. John Paul Jones, sometimes called the father of the American Navy. This is the way he responded to the demand to surrender. He said, I've just begun to fight. Now that's the spirit of perseverance. And I like what President Calvin Coolidge had to say about perseverance. And uh, let me quote it for you. He says, nothing in the world can take the place of perseverance. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost the proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Well, I think he's speaking truth. He might have used a little hyperbole there, not being the only things, but uh, important, certainly. Persistence and determination. Well, Paul also had something to say many centuries before the president did about this persistence, about pressing on. When we turn over to Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul said... How'd he start that? <clears throat> if I can just get it started. Um, well, maybe I better look and see how he wrote it. Philippians 3. <clears throat> and we'll just read 13 and 14. <clears throat> Brethren, I count not myself yet to have laid hold. But one thing I do, 
forgetting that which is behind and stretching forward to that which is before, I press on under the goal, under the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was a presser on. Didn't work for a dry cleaning company. He just pressed on and on and had many difficulties to overcome, but that's how he overcame them. We can turn to 2 Corinthians 11, and Paul mentions there a number of things that he suffered and persevered through. It's sad to find out that I believe, if I got my, right, my figures right, that the third greatest cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Suicide as a cause of death ranks high among all people. All the world. People take their, they give up, take their own lives. They get so low they don't feel like they can, they can persevere. Harry Emerson Fosdick told about a man who tried to commit suicide and his rope broke. So he didn't die. And about a year later, Fosdick saw this same young man asking him how he was getting along. The man said he was on top of the world. Well, in a way, that makes you sad thinking about the many people whose rope did not break. Whose effort to take their own life, whatever means they were trying, didn't fail. They committed suicide. This man was on top of the world, fortunately. And when a person is ready to take his own life, he, he thinks he's gone as far as he can go, but he can't go anymore. I mean, that's as low as you can feel like. You need to just lift yourself up. I'm coming in general, not just you. To overcome the tendency to give up. And that's what they've done. Marriages fail. Many times because of the lack of steadfastness. Husband's not steadfast. The wife's not steadfast. Neither of them steadfast. So about 50% of the marriages compared to about I mean, all the marriages compared about 50% of, of, uh, of divorces that are granted. You might notice, and you're taking the 185 up to Atlanta, about on the north side, there's a great big billboard, and it says three words, and I cannot remember what they are except two of them. They all start with the letter A, affordable attorney, and I don't know what the other one, but they're advertising divorce. But it's so common. People are advertising it now. Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 9, that whosoever shall put away his wife, except for fornication, and marrieth another, committeth adultery. And he that marrieth her that's put away, committeth adultery. Whatsoever God hath drawn together, verse 6, let not man put asunder. It was God's intention for one man and one woman to live together for life. For life. I remember uh, in a history class, American history, I was about a junior in high school, and uh, the teacher, who was the superintendent of the school, would call on different ones to uh, tell what we were supposed to read, and it was my turn. I cannot remember what I was talking about, <laughs> may not have known then, but anyway, I mentioned some nation or somebody, some society that believed in uh, monogamy. 
<laughs> he, he grinned. <laughs> uh, and I thought Mona Gammy was the right way to say it. <laughs> he went to the blackboard and wrote monogamy, but he said, no, this is the way it's marked, monogamy. <laughs> uh, like bigamy, monogamy, no, it's monogamy. Well, that's what God meant when he meant one man or one, mono's one. And we need uh, the steadfastness there in all relationships. Well, I'm going to close, but I want to read a statement by Winston Churchill. <clears throat> he said, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best, if he wins, knows the thrills of high achievement, and if he fails, at least fails daring greatness, so that his place shall never be with those old and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. He wants us to get into the fight. That's what the Lord <coughs> has called us for. To come and to be one of his soldiers. And that requires steadfastness in living the Christian life, in bearing fruit, in worship, in bearing hardships. Steadfastness. Otherwise, we can't make it. We have a song of invitation. We want to sing this to encourage anyone <clears throat> who has that desire to serve God who will find in God, in Christ, that power and that spiritual strength to endure, to overcome hardships. They're coming. It's a part of God's chastening. He has a purpose. And so we're not to feel like, well, he slighted me, he's forgotten me. He's saying, I'm your father, and I'm just chasing you. You're subject to this invitation to obey the gospel. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?